Good evening, everybody. We are here on the 9th of January, our second Saturday, and our 49th Q&A. We welcome you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have questions, tough questions, and we trust the Lord will give us the answer. And interesting question, most are theological questions. And we are not theologians, we are servants of God, so we rely on God, His wisdom to answer. And uh, some of the eschatological answers, we may may not be absolutely right, because there are certain things which nobody is absolutely sure of. cannot be dogmatic about it, because the secret things belong to the Lord. But still, we'll try to go through with scripture, interpreting scripture, and try to give you an answer. I hope it satisfies you. But before we go into it, I would ask Pastor Vijay, would you lead us in prayer? Father, we just want to thank you once again for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for every opportunity that you give us, O oh Lord. Father, to come and sit at your feet. Father, we want to learn of you in this evening. And therefore, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint all of us with the Holy Spirit, O oh Lord. Grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, you know all the answers, O oh Lord. Your word says the Spirit searches the deep things of God. And Lord, that you teach us. By words, the Holy Spirit makes clear. And I, therefore, I pray, Lord, you would give us the words, O Lord Jesus, anoint your servant, and anoint all of us, O Lord, even as we hear, make the answers, Lord, relevant to our situation. Lord, you are able to do it, O Lord, Father. And Lord, come at this entire time into your hands, O Lord Jesus, from the beginning to the end. Let your name and your name alone be exalted and glorified. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's get started, Pastor Vijay. Yes, so we'll start right from question number one, Pastor. So, why does God allow some people to get hurt more than others? Oh, when we look at it that way, we we need to understand uh, the difference between the sovereign will of God and the will of man. God is sovereign. He is in absolute, total control of everything. Mm. That does not mean he intervenes and stops the choices of man. Then we don't have free will. Yes. They they are complementary to each other, the sovereign will of God and the free will of man. Mm. If God is going to intervene and stop everything, then we are we do not have free will. Yeah. Yeah. We do not have free will. So you need to realize some people get hurt more than others. It's, it's not because of God. It's because of others. Mm. Because of others. God does not stop. Then, uh, I mean, uh, where does my free will come? Mm. If God gets in and starts stopping everything, then I am constrained. My free will is not free will. It is not free. I have a will, but it is not free. Right? It's like uh, me being in a zoo. (laughs) I have Mm. a free will, but I am not free. I am caged in. And then I do not have choices. If God says, choose this day whom you will serve, that means I am free to Mm. choose. Okay, I said to you before you life and death, choose, meaning I have, I can choose death. That's why mothers of our children, they chose death. People commit suicide because God said you can choose. Consequences will be different. I mean, I can only choose, I cannot choose my consequences. I can choose actions, but I cannot choose my consequences. Consequences are not in my, in my hands. That goes beyond me. So when God says about, so some people get hurt more, not because of God, it's because of others. It could be a person's own decision or the decisions of others. There are so many permutations and combinations in the whole, whole from the time 
Adam and Eve chose. Humanity has stumbled. God did not stop them, but he told them, mm. don't eat. Yes. Because you have to give directions. If God had not told them and they stumbled and fell, then God would be at fault. No. God kept it over there because yes. they have a choice to make. That is how you exercise free will. I always ask people, think about the Garden of Eden. Think about the Garden of Eden. And God says, you can eat anything. You can do anything. Then where is free will? Yes. Free will comes into operation only when there is a no. Mm-hmm. When there is a no. There is a yes and a no. If it's only yes, and that's where our babies begin. When they are babies, we don't say anything. When they start understanding, when the toughest time we say no, they start understanding there's something called no. And free will starts coming. Then they start fighting the no all their life because they want to do the no thing and not the yes thing. So you need to realize um, everything is related to that. Hmm. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, meaning... When God told Adam and Eve, don't eat from the um, tree of um, knowledge of good and evil. Let us say whatever Satan said, and they had they had their doubts and all. It's still irrelevant. If they had loved God with all their heart, they would have still said, even if what you say is true, I will not do it because I love my father too much. Yep. See, so it was a test of everything. It's a test of love, it's a test of faith, the trust in God, is God true? It's a trust of, it's a, it's a test of everything. We always bring about God a liar or God is true and all that was, that's what, it's a test of their love too, of their loyalty. Everything. So you need to realize if all these things have to be tested because I have a free will and the only way I can be tested is when there is a choice. Where there are no choices, there are, there is no free will. So some people get hurt more in life is because of the choices made by people around them. Mm. Okay, like let us say, uh, you live in a, in hood, in an area where criminals are. Let us say an area criminals are. So because you live in that place, because of the choices of the people all around you, yeah. you go through more harm than somebody who lives in a very secure place yes. in the city. You may be living in the whole city, like there are areas in this city where even cops don't go. Hmm. And here we don't need to see a cop at all. Hmm. We are fine. We are good. We don't go through anything. Okay, so think of that you can be in an area which is absolutely run by rogues and be the most low-abiding person, yet run into trouble every day. Because you made a choice to live in that place. Or you have no choice, you can only live in that place. So you need to realize what is happening is a result of so many choices. And God is not involved in it at all. Let me tell you, God is not that God God stops. Actually, a lot of stuff don't happen to us because God is still, I mean, there God is, I mean, I'm talking about basically people who belong to God. Okay, God will work that all out. We don't belong to God. God doesn't intervene in our life. I don't think God really intervenes. He allows the rain to fall on both. It's, it's his sovereign goodness, kindness of taking care of us. But other than that, if we are his children and we really know him, mm. then he turns the evil that people do to us around for, for good. good. Yes. So, uh, nobody we know in our own life went through what Joseph went through. It's yes. as simple as yes, that. Yes. Because we are talking about a king's dungeon five, four thousand, five thousand years ago. What a miserable dungeon it has been with fetters around his neck and for years and years, 13 years, he was a slave. So let us say it happened at the age of 20, 10 years. 
I mean, the, the chains would have bitten into his neck and legs and, <coughs> and you know, you're look, looking at a time like that. So he went through it all, but God turned it all around for him. And people all hurt him. Unlike others, he was absolutely innocent. Mm. Most of us are not innocent. Mm-hmm. No, most of us are not innocent. But you look, God turned it around. And he was hurt more than his brothers. But God turned it around for his good. Now, Pastor, is it also uh, true that uh, the greater the purpose of God in your life, the more more pain and suffering that you have to go through in order for you to achieve whatever purpose. Not necessarily. It's part of it. I think that comes into question number two. two yeah, exactly. Because yeah. So it's can just, ask that question. A, yeah. Anytime I believe he passes up, how come people are hurting President Trump so much and he allows him to be to get broken more and more? Uh, President Trump is only because of his office. He's in an office, depending upon what your office is. Why was Joseph hurt so much? Because of the office. Mm-hmm. He was he was picked by God for a particular office. Therefore, he's going through that. Before he came to that office, he didn't go through any office. Yep. All his enemies loved him because they loved his money. But when he came to his office, they would have still loved him if he had not gone with their policies. They hate him. They hate him because of his policies. Let me tell you. There are only two presidents they really hated. Not hated, one was loved, but they finished him off. One was Kennedy. Kennedy was not like President Trump. Okay, Kennedy was not like President Trump. He himself had a very dark side. Okay, President Trump may have a dark side. I mean, of, of this thing. That was years back, 10 years, 12 years back, when he was a New York, Queens, playboy kind of a rich, this thing. But Kennedy, even when he was in the White House, he had a terrible, terrible dark side. But he also knew the dark side of the deep state. The deep state is not yesterday or today. They have been there for a long time. And he was one of the first public figures at the presidential level who was planning to go after the deep state, the secret societies. So they finished him off. Till today, nobody knows who killed him. It was an inside job. They killed him off. In President Trump's case, the difference is that he also stood up against his deep state with the church. Ah, with the church. And the reason they were not able to finish him off like Kennedy is because of God's people upholding him in prayer. And they hate him. They hate him. They hate him and their hatred towards him, if you look at it, it's not normal human hatred. This is not normal human hatred. This is demonic hatred. Demonic hatred. Because from the time he got in, because first hatred was they had planned it all out. 2016, it's going to be Hillary. Everything was planned out. They were absolutely gung-ho sure. That's why this time they stole the election. Mm. Last time they were absolutely sure. That she was going. But something happened with nobody. Nobody really figured it out. And then people realized, the church realized this was God. And one part of the church realized it was God. That God. And when he came in, the thing is that his policies were, he may not have been truly a believer. Really may not believed. I don't think he believed when he came into the office. But the simple thing is that sometimes people say the office changes you. Yes. Yeah. Some people... The office changes them to become really mean and wicked, like Ahab and Jezebel and all. Some people who are nonchalant, happy-go-lucky people, when they get into their office, the office changes them. And I believe the office changed it. Like Beckett, like Beckett. Yeah, yeah. it is like um, the Canterbury, oh, the um, yeah. Bishop of Canterbury, yes. you know, about Samuel Beckett's that... Um, 
murder in the cathedral. Mm. No? King George was thinking about this guy who would sanction his divorce and remarriage and everything because he didn't like his fifth wife or sixth wife. Mm. I don't know which wife it was. But whatever happened. But when he became the archbishop, the office changed him. Mm. And he said no. And then he had to get him killed. So I believe the office really, really, and I really believe he's a patriot. I believe now it is his, his, his persona has changed. I really look at him and I see, you know what, he's one true national leader who really loves his country. He really, unlike all the other who just, they talk from the both sides of their mouth. He's somebody who really loves his country and he has seen to see the country was lifted up from the mess. But to the deep state, the ones, the secret societies, all these people are involved in him, he was an existential threat for them. So they had to take him out. They could not allow him to succeed for four years. Then it would be eight years. By then he would have changed the whole system. So it's an entire thing is a plot. The whole thing is a plot. The pandemic was, you know, why we had so many diseases. Why is this vaccine different from the others? Why do you need this whatever RF DNA, whatever kind of this this vaccine is different from all the other vaccines because I believe the virus is generated from the lab. It is a man-made virus, though for you need a vaccine which also is different and the whole and actually if you look at it, why are they pushing this vaccination? So everything is connected over here because the agenda is falling into place. And anybody who's literally like with common sense, can know that so much fraud happened before your eyes. Mm. Like the number of postal ballots, the ballots that were sent out, and the ballots that has come in, the numbers don't tally. If you sent out 2 million, what came in is 2.7 million. And how can that happen? But nobody is able to do anything because they are controlling all the limits. That's basically what we are seeing now is today. If they control, the, like, let's say Pastor, um, President Trump is out of everything. He's out of Twitter, he's out of Facebook, the main things. Now they are controlling the news media also. Like if he were to speak, they will take the cameras off and mute him. How does he reach the people? Do you know how they control? How do you reach the people? How can a president talk to his people if they refuse to air what he says at any platform? First, they got people all of newspapers and got us onto digital media. So people hardly read newspapers now. Okay, but newspapers can be intimidated. They can be intimidated. Okay, so that is what they are doing. So we are seeing a sign of the times. But the other side of it, why is he hurt so much? Why is he? The reason is because God has picked him up. God has touched him. What he went through earlier in his life, what he's going through is a completely different thing. Because God said, you asked it, the, the, the term that used to us, uh, break, why is he getting broken more and more? Because God breaks all his children. And if you are not broken, he will discard you. There were two kings in Israel's history, the first two or three kings. Saul was picked, he was anointed, but he was man's choice. He refused to be broken. God discarded him, took him out, and he actually went to hell. David was also chosen by God, and God broke David. God broke David. Okay? And brokenness is a sign that God's hand is upon you. We see that in, um, in Hebrews chapter 12. And verse 5 and 6, right? Yeah. And six. No, no discipline is... Yeah. Sense. No, no. Everyone he chooses yes. as his son. Yeah. No. 
you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Okay? So the chastening is usually through the hands of man. Through the hands of man. God has, has never stretched forth his hand from heaven and spanked somebody. He used the situation, circumstances, people. What is the whole idea? To break your old strong self. Because God has great, greater plans for you in future and in eternity. See, the world lives this stallion standing on the top of the mountain with its mane flying in the air and he thinks he is free. But you know that stallion is useful for nothing and useful for nobody. He just runs around and runs around and eats and drinks and dies. But there is the same stallion which is captured, brought into the, I forgot the stall. He's broken. They don't break his spirit. Mm. They break the stallion. Once it is broken, the saddle is this thing and the rider sits on it and the rider can guide him after he's really trained, can guide him with a nudge of his knees or his heels or with a bit in his mouth with a Bible also talks about. Now that stallion, the free stallion and this stallion on which the rider is running, you know the stallion with the rider is running can run faster than this one. Mm. We would think that no, no, it's not possible. This will run, uh, this one will run faster. God says no, this one runs faster. And that's what God is trying. God is not going to break our spirit. He is trying to break us so that he can use us. Mm. And that is clearly seen in the the communion part, how it is everywhere. He takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and then he gives, and people are filled. Continuously, it is the same process. Every child of God, when he comes to God, he has to surrender. If I surrender my life, he will take my life, and he will bless me. And we want to stop there, and we jump out of his hands, because, Lord, that is why I gave my life, so that he would bless me. He said, okay, I blessed you. Now, you are not allowing me to break you. Break you. We like the blessing part, we don't like the breaking part. And because he, we don't allow him to break us, he cannot really use us. Mm. The blessed person only help a little few people. But the broken person becomes through whom the life of God himself flows. Amen. That is what Gideon is doing. Yes. Gideon had so many. He says, only 300. What do you do with a torch in a broken pitcher? That's all you do. And a trumpet. And if you look at both are empty. Mm. <laughs> no sword, nothing. And when the picture is broken, the light is seen. Okay, and Paul will say in the New Covenant, we are earthen vessels with treasure inside. The question is, who sees the treasure? Only in broken people, the treasure is seen. So you will see, that's what he's putting through people. And if you are not being broken, the hand of God is not upon you. It's a very dangerous thing. Mm. It's a very, very dangerous place to be. I would rather be at the disciplining hand of God than where God says, I, I don't care what you do with your life. You are free to. He let go. And the Bible says about it. Look at about King Saul. The sad part of his life. Look at King Saul. Samuel. For Samuel. Chapter 28. Verse 4 and 5. 5, 6, yeah. Philistines gathered together, came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together. They encamped at Gilbo. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid. His heart trembled greatly. He is, when the Lord Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dream, by Urim, or by prophets. He refused. Refused. This is the darkest day of his hour. God refuses to answer him. Yet do you know at Ziklag God answered David just like that? Yeah. 
Look at the difference. This is his darkest hour. He is going to die. And God does not even answer him. And look at what verse 7 said. Saul said to his servant, find me a woman who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. Do you know why all these leaders go to the lodges? Because God refuses to speak to them. Refuses to speak to them. They put the pretend outside you are Catholic, Protestant and all. But I am telling you, God has, has discarded them, rejected them, refused to speak to them. And you know what happens? They go into sorcery. You know pastors who go into sorcery? Go to these lords to receive power and miracles because God refuses to speak to them and they are already rejected. They have wisdom, but it's wisdom of the devil. The devil also has wisdom. He also had wisdom. Oh, they can preach well. All is irrelevant. So you need to realize this is what. So when a man is being disciplined, he's not in a bad place. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's in a very, very safe, safe place. place. You need man. to ask yourself, do you want to be in the place of David or do you want to be in the place of Saul? Both were kings. One was disciplined all the way till the end. He was disciplined. One God just rejected him and would not even speak to him. So President Trump has a person is not in a, I mean, it's a, he's in a very painful point in his life, but he's not in a bad place. He's not in a bad You think about it. When David came to Ziklag, the city is burned, only smoke rising. He's been rejected by Akish. They have marched for three days. Everybody is tired. Then the city is gone. Wife and children have been taken captive. Everybody is weeping. His soldiers all take stones to stone him. Is he in a very, very bad position? But you ask him, actually is he in a bad position? No. He's come to that point where God exactly wants him. Exactly. Now, at Ziglag, David is at the same place where Saul is. You know, both are happening at the same time. Mm. Yes, simultaneously, yes. It's happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And both are at extreme danger. To one man, God answers just like this. What does he tell him? Pursue, overtake, recover all. To another man, he refuses to speak. Using sorcery, a spirit is raised, of Samuel is raised, and he asks Samuel, what do you want? He says, you will die. You will die. Why did you raise me? So it's happening at the same time of two people and God is saying, you know, the one I love, I disciplined him. I burned everything he had. I allowed all this thing to happen to him by just not to destroy him. It was to restore him. So you pursue, you overtake, you will recover all. But to this guy, he said, you know what? You're going to die. And everybody who's going into sorcery, it doesn't matter how successful they may look. They're all going to die. And the problem is they're all going to die and go to hell. <laughs> everybody will die one day. But everybody is not going to heaven. The sorcerers will go to the pits of darkness. Absolute, total pits of darkness. And they have been so fooled about it. And that's why. You can wish whatever you want. Like Balaam said. Balaam said, I want to die the death of the righteous. But he was a sorcerer. And when Joshua enters into the land, scripture says, one of the first people they cut into pieces is Balaam. They go. So this Joshua is the type of Jesus Christ. Sorcerers will be destroyed. And all who practice sorcery, they will be destroyed. So you need to realize this is what Bible is talking about. So painfully, yes, it's in a painful place. But is it a bad place to be? No. It's a very, very good place. The more broken you are, that means the more God will use you. <coughs> Pastor, next question is a more of a the biblical Theology. question. Theological yeah. question. It says, when God issued the curse to Abraham, uh, sorry, Adam and Eve <coughs> and chased them out of the garden, mm-hmm. Adam had to toil with sweat and labor hard and even 
uh, and Eve had to labor in pain towards childbirth and had desired to be for her husband and he will rule over her. This pattern continued and is still continuing. Is this curse also broken fully at the cross? At the cross? If so, why even praying and believing women labor with insurmountable pain during childbirth? Okay. Mm. Now we look at it. We look at it. There are... Uh, now, when we are talking about, uh, there are two things uh, connected with uh, childbirth, uh, not childbirth, the curse. There are two things mentioned in Genesis uh, chapter 3. One is about the child and the other is about uh, the domination of the husband. Basically, you will compete with each other. If you turn with me to Timothy, let me explain to you, that's not exactly how you read it. <coughs> First Timothy chapter 2. And uh, verse 11 to 15. A woman, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then even. Simply if he brings first the order of creation, then. Yeah, come further down. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, now she will be saved in child. Now the curse has been turned around to a blessing. Okay, what was the curse? On the cross, he took that curse. It has become a blessing. So, we are talking, we, the Bible is not actually talking about labor pains. Labor pains can be handled. I mean, at the end of the day, what is labor pains? I know people in my family and all who went in and delivered and 10 minutes it was over. Okay, some women because of modern women, because of their lifestyle, they take hours and days and all. But the old, our countryside and all, they sometimes deliver in the fields at all. See, this labor pain is not a big thing. It is not a big thing. What is a big thing is the pain of rearing children. That is through which she is saved. The very part of motherhood, raising up a child, going through it, and you see what the child is going through is a reminder of the fall of man. Why is your child like this? Why is it such as an innocent child throws tantrums and does not want to obey, doesn't want to? God says, you know what? This is all because of a fall of sin. So what do you learn? One of the most beautiful lessons that we taught in the church in the morning, one thing parenting does, I mean genuine parenting does, it teaches you a lot of patience. People ask me, why? how come you have so much patience? It's because I learned it from my babies. These are the lessons my babies taught me. Because my timing those days was I slept at early in the morning and these kids would never sleep in the night. And it didn't bother me at all. I actually enjoyed it. Because they were awake and I was awake. I enjoyed my babies and had tons and tons of patience. Ask, ask me, who taught me patience? I'll tell you. More than other situations in life, my babies taught me patience. And then when this LHL baby, Matuliga, came, I was much, much older. And when she came as a baby, it didn't bother me at all. Because you had already learned patience. And that's what you're talking about. So many things of love is, scripture says, love is kind, suffers long and kind. Where does a mother learn it from? From childbearing and raising up children. The mother can, oh my gosh, the mother can suffer long. And yet be kind. Have you seen any mother throwing the child out? Yet what does the child do for the mother? Nothing. 
what is the one side is dry the other side is wet when other side is dry the other side needs to be wet he constantly taking care of two sides that is all and what does the baby do nothing you know when you finish eating when you think it's all over burps and throws the whole thing over you have to first clean the baby then clean you it's a continuous process but through it all you know what happens the mother is learning something god is actually through parenthood especially motherhood teaching the mother to become like god because that's what god goes through he's incredibly patient with us he suffers long because of all our tantrums and he still loves he's still kind to us on the other hand the man goes out he works and he works and like now raj is sitting here looking at us now raj's work will take a different this thing i call because now he's saying okay baby is coming baby is coming all these years i just had to take up appu now i have to take her appu and the baby you know what he's he will labor more <laughs> everything changes fatherhood changes you when you become a husband a bachelor becomes a husband finally he has no if he was a crazy man walking around free he gets married suddenly realizes oh my gosh i have to take care of somebody else when the baby comes fatherhood changes you i mean i'm talking about generally if you think about it so fatherhood and motherhood changes you they were never supposed to be outsourced to the government it was a man's and a woman's responsibility so when the bible is talking about the woman through labor pains that curse has been taken care of that pain is irrelevant today you can have a epidural and have a baby you feel no pain at all so that's not a big thing because you have worse diseases and surgeries and accidents which actually give you more pain than labor pain so that's not the big thing but the pain here is actually of childbearing the rearing up child how it is if they continue in faith and love and holiness which don't lose your control with your babies because babies have no control so you don't become a baby and lose your control how do you exercise self control is when the baby sometimes you know here all our baby mother saying the child doesn't sleep at all and they come into the church and nodding i tell some of them why don't you take a break now when you go for lunch to gss you know what give the kids to the baby mothers there the girls over there go take a nap can whenever you can catch a nap go inside and sleep let them play around with the baby because babies tire you out somebody did a study of a mother who has two babies in the house growing up one year two years and they did a study and says the man comes from the office and says i am so tired but he says the mother has already walked in the house around 25 kilometers already running after these babies now we have apps which will measure you okay the man thinks he is tired but they have no clue these children will drive you up the wall all i mean you can train the children up very well but otherwise they can so but what does it teach you it teaches you the virtues of parenthood and god is a father you know how tolerant he is with us his children how tolerant he is because scripture says he does not deal with us according to our sins and our iniquities same question does a mother deal with the child according to his sins and iniquities no why don't you sleep the child can't even respond he does does it deal according you are tired you are worn out you just dropping off but nothing feeding throws up all over you does it deal with according to his iniquities no you see you are still suffering long you are still kind how did you learn this how did your love become like that did it come it automatically no you learned it you learned it and let me ask you this question when the baby was born did the baby love you no but you first loved it right we love him god says you know i'm teaching you to love like me the baby can give you nothing 
but you love the baby, right? You can give me nothing, but I loved you first. I love. So parent is parenthood is an it's an incredible. I think that's what happened to Enoch. Enoch started walking with God after Methuselah was born. That's what changed him. Parenthood changed him. When Methuselah was born, he had a revelation. When this child dies, judgment will come. And he started walking with God. One eye on God, one eye on this baby. And he walked with God for 300 years. Parenthood is a very powerful experience. Really one of the most beautiful experiences in life is being a parent. And you learn. And that's what the Bible is about. But today people, people don't enjoy parenthood. Because they haven't understood the redemptive part of Parenthood. That's a redemptive part. What does look at verse fifteen? Read it again. She will be. Where did, where did God bring salvation? There is it salvation from your sin? No, the sanctification process. The sanctification process comes through the rearing of children. Sanctification comes through. So, father or mother, don't leave your children out of your life because you know what they will teach you. You will become more impatient. You realize, okay. I now understand. I now understand how God feels like. I understand. <laughs> His child is sending me up the wall. But you know what? I sent God also up the wall. And he was very, very kind. These virtues that this, the fruit of the Spirit is not a tablet. It is not a gift. You learn it. The Bible brings it over there. So the sister who asked this question, this is not about that labor pain. It's not about the labor pain. Think about it. Um, Eve had Cain and she had Abel labor pains and I, I believe at that time and all knowing how the glory of God is like Methuselah and all living 969 years how incredibly strong and glorious their bodies were because God has breathed to them it's a glorious body the effect of sin has not even passed down the line so their bodies were completely different so I don't think the labor and all was terrible for Eve and all but do you think what was terrible for Adam and Eve to see the dead body of their son. One son had murdered the other. That was the most pain, not the labor. And they saw the mangled mess of one son and the other son had that. They first hand witness what the curse in the Bible was. If you eat, you will die. They had not known what death was. They had not known what was. They had only seen death of probably two lambs being slaughtered by God and them being covered. But then now it is not a lamb, it's their son. It is their son. And that was the pain. And suddenly they understand what sin meant, the consequence of sin. And that is what God is saying. You know, when your children fail and the children do terrible things, it breaks your heart. And you look back and you say, okay, this is what redemption is. Now I understand why God is so patient. And that's what the Bible is talking about. All this is part of our redemptive process. So you have to see, work is part of our redemptive process. There shall be thorns and thistles in your workplace. It's always trouble. Somebody wrote to me from Australia saying, this is what's happening to me in my workplace. Please pray for me. Workplace, you are a child of God. You will have trouble in your workplace. <laughs> if you don't have trouble in your workplace, then you're not a child of God. Why? Because for the man, especially in the workplace, you look at the trouble Joseph had in his workplace. He went to serve his brothers. He was sold as a slave. He goes over there. He's a slave now. A free man is a slave. From there, he's thrown into the prison. Why? Because he's a chosen child. He's a child of God. So his workplace is, what scripture says, God. So the workplace itself becomes his redemptive process place of redemption. You know, he's sanctified in the 13 years of his workplace. He's so sanctified. He's a kind, 
hardworking, merciful, gracious, patient man at the age of 30. And God says, you are ready to rule. Let me ask you this question. What got him ready to rule? It was his workplace. It is a workplace. And what gets a woman ready to rule? It's a home. It's a home. Okay, so God has put all these things over there and he says, you know, these are all part of your redemption. The second part, not the saving from the penalty of sin, that is God. The second thing, the power of sin, the sanctifying part. So God has put all this into our lives and unless we see life through that, what you say, prism, we don't understand life and it is wasted on us. All these things are wasted on us. Two people could go to the same park workplace have the same set of troubles one could come out becoming more and more sanctified and the other becoming more bitter more angry switching jobs switching jobs switching jobs and getting more upset and more because the workplace is not doing the work in you Mm. another person comes through the same thing and he becomes kinder more hardworking, more patient leans on god even more trust god because that's why the bible says joseph god was with joseph because joseph was with god okay and god prospered him it's not that doesn't mean he did not have trouble. He had trouble there every day because he's the only Hebrew in an Egyptian setting. Yes, Pastor. So I think they continue with us uh, with another set of questions. He says, "How about generational curses? When we become believers from other religious backgrounds, we go through inner healing and healing and deliverance process, including breaking of generational curses progressively. Is it still relevant with new covenant to keep breaking the generational bondages?" Has it been addressed in the cross as well? If so, how do we handle it? Everything was addressed on the cross. Hypothetically. Not hypothetically. Positionally. Mm. Positionally, everything has been handled on the cross. Meaning, on the cross, those who believed on the cross, when Christ Jesus died on the cross, we died with him. Mm. When he was raised from the dead, we were raised with him. When you are seated on the right hand side, we were seated with him on the right hand side. That is the positional truth. The functional truth is a completely different thing. If you look at, if you look at, there are pictures over here. There's a picture of Samuel. There's a picture of Saul. There's a picture of David. David. Of David okay. If you look at David, David does well, but he falls and he rises. Saul doesn't do well at all. But Samuel never falls. Hmm. Never falls. One of the reasons Samuel never falls is because right from birth, he's being mentored in the ways of God. Mm. You'll never see David being mentored. Yes. God is personally mentoring mentoring David David in his workplace. But David is not being mentored by his parents. Samuel is mentored by a very godly mother. So when you are born, let us say, let us, let us say, a child is born into a believing, very mature, godly parents, that ch- child has an incredible advantage to start off well with God. Yep. Well with God. Like Samuel. Very great this thing was. And Penina is a very good, uh, very good husband that way. He's got two wives, so he tells Elkanah, you handle Elkanah, 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 okay? So he says, you handle it. Okay? I always say the best thing for a child is a godly father and a godly mother. If that is, doesn't happen, the best thing for a child is to have only one godly parent influence in their life. Two will be worse. One opposite one, it will be, it will create chaos in the child's life because the child has to listen to authority figures. One is godly, the other is ungodly. It will always go usually with the ungodly. We have seen in our church too, it happened mm. when children come from broken homes. You will see, 
the children who come from a home where parents, someone is believing, unbelieving, they fall apart. But have you noticed, I'm not mentioning names. There's a particular sister in our church, you know. She was a single mother and she had two daughters. And uh, her husband walked away, just disappeared and never came back. And she single-handedly raised up the daughters. Now, have you seen how godly those daughters mm. are? But there was no other influence in their life. Only one parent influenced their life. Okay, So you will see, these things are there put by God. Put by God. And when that happens, the children. So if you look at it, curses are there. Every curse was broken on the cross. But the question is, do you believe? Hmm. Do you really believe? If you believe, you can walk away. You don't have to break anything. It's broken. It is broken. You know where it is being broken? Where you keep breaking it? You're breaking it in your mind. mind. Yep. That's the battle here. There were curses. But if you don't believe in it, the, the issue is, I don't believe in any of the curses that came from my forefathers. Good for you. It is true. My question is, if you don't believe in, what do you believe in? Mm. So you have to believe in something. Right? I cannot just stand in vacuum. I have to put my feet somewhere. If I'm not going to put my feet here, I have to put my feet somewhere else. Mm. Right? So I don't believe in any of these curses. I know mm. I am in Christ Jesus. It is all broken. Okay, that's good. And and then what do you believe in? Do you know your word? Mm. Do you know what the life of Christ is? Mm. Do you know? That is what Romans 12.2 is talking yes. about. 12.2. So, I, positionally it was broken. Functionally it is being broken. Do not be confirmed to the world. What is this world? The world is built on curses. It's an entire edifice that is built on curses. The devil has been cursed. The devil is judged. And he's built this using through man this entire edifice. So don't be confirmed to this world because the world is passing away. Is built on curses. But be transformed by the renewing of the mind. It's in the renewing of the mind you are being broken. But the renewing of the mind is not a very easy thing. Mm-hmm. Because even when you are trying to renew the mind, you have ten other voices trying to speak in the voice of God and say, this is what you need to do, that is what you need to do, and you are totally confused. Can you be isolated? That's why um, God took 40 years to get to Moses ready. 40 years to get him ready. Why? Because 40 years he was in Egypt. And his mind was completely in the ways of Egypt. Wisdom of Egyptians. Mm-hmm. The wisdom of Egyptians was all sorcery. Sorcery, sorcery yes. That's the wisdom of Egyptians. It is all sorcery. It's a demonic wisdom the Bible talks about. What is the wisdom here? We are not talking about science and things of natural laws. We are talking about sorcery. God had to take it all out of him. And then finally he is empty. He's absolutely lost his confidence in him. And God is not teaching him anything. He just gives him a stick and says, with this stick you shall bring him out. So his only confidence is in a stick. Hmm. Which God has given him. That's his only confidence. And everything is done with the stick. It's only at Mount Sinai he receives the law. Yes, yes, yes. He receives the law. Forty days Mm. in the presence of God. Now he is understanding. He's not conformed to Egypt at all. But now he's being conformed into something else. His mind is changing. But the rest of the people, they came out of Egypt. They refused to change their mind. So they still operated under the curse of Egypt. Did, was the curse of Egypt broken over them? 
Yes. Positionally. Yes. Positionally, yes. yes. The day they left, it was over. Yep. But did it functionally work for them? No. It did not. And a lot of people are living silly. It's not working in their minds. It's our mind. It's, it's the battleground. It's the mind. That is what Paul is saying in Second Corinthians chapter 10, 3 to 5. Pastor Vijay, I'm getting my references. <laughs> what is happening? It's Pastor Vijay. <laughs> For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. So where is the battle taking place? Pulling down strongholds. Verse 5. Casting down arguments. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. My question is that if you do not have the knowledge of God, what do you cast down? Yep. If you don't know what a original note looks like, how do you distinguish the, the other one is counterfeit? Mm-hmm. How do you know? And that's why Jesus said, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. knowledge. Knowledge of what? The word of God. They don't understand the principles of God's kingdom, his character, his nature, everything. And they have arguments all set up over here. And they think the arguments are godly. Mm-hmm. They are not godly. They just camouflage very nicely with the appearance of godliness, which is absolutely carnal and it is worldly. And it is sorcery. It's a demonic wisdom. And people are sitting in church with demonic wisdom because they do not first have the knowledge of God to compare one thing with another. Let's say, this is what God says and this is what I think. You know what? This is not true. I am going to crush it down. And you know, a curse is broken. Where was the curse? In you. Yes. Where did it come from? It was received knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's received knowledge. You received it from the world, maybe from your parents, maybe from school, college, somewhere. A received knowledge, and this is how it is broken. Mm. Curses are broken. Uh, yes, Pastor. Peter. So, uh, one of the things that uh, Jeremiah chapter seventeen says that cursed is a man who makes flesh his strength. And uh, uh, I mean, the the person who's relying more upon the fleshly or the worldly things is a person who's really under the curse, right? Because you cannot be under uh, in the uh, in in. This Christ. is basically talking about people who are in Christ. Mm, yeah. People who are in Christ, not to the world. The world people, anyway, they are under, under the, the curse. curse. Yes. So they have to come out of the curse of the penalty of sin. So, so one of the when, when it says one of the works of the flesh is witchcraft, what does it mean? What does it mean for a person to uh, operate in witchcraft? Is it simply rebellion? Like no, it is not just rub, uh, rebellion. Meaning, see, uh, what you call is that there are only two sorcery, right? So yeah, there are only sorcery. two sources of power. Hmm. Sources of power. It's either God. Okay, like when you talk about electricity, electricity is a common thing, but sources of electricity are different. It can be thermal, it can be hydroelectric, it can be nuclear. So we have different solar, different sources of electricity in the same way. When it comes to power, there are only two sources of power, basically, two sources of power. One is, I'm talking about the spiritual level. One is the spirit of God, the other is sorcery. Hmm. Only two sources of power. So man has to rely on one or the two okay. and is relying without even knowing. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the one who does not have the Holy Spirit is relying on some, where is he getting his power from? Sorcery. It is through sorcery. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Bible says there is a wisdom that wisdom is from below. And it is demonic. But the problem with the demons, see, the demonic is that the demonic never camouflage, never comes as demonic. Yes. They always camouflage in the angel of light. Yep. And his servant, the Bible says, angels, servants of the devil also comes as preachers of righteousness. Yeah. Because if righteousness is not sold, it's not sold, people will not buy it. Mm-hmm. Let's look at what happened in the Capitol Hill last week. 
and what have been happening in America for so this thing, no? So when they were doing the same thing, they had to put a clock of righteousness, so wide systematic racism, and we have oppressed people, we are fighting it. So they camouflage all the violence, the burning, the looting, everything peaceful under protests. a peaceful protest, and the, everything they put <laughs> because I mean we are justified for the violence. They put a clock of righteousness and sold it. But when this thing happened, which was wrong. But this is an oppressed people. For years, their rights have been taken off. You are not allowed to pray in public. You are not allowed to raise up your children. You are not allowed to worship the freely. And all your rights on which actually genuine rights guaranteed by the Constitution is being taken away one by one by one. And when these people come over there and something takes place, only a tiny little minority, if you look at them, Probably a million people gathered over there. And this entire crowd which did it was just a few hundred people. When they did it, immediately treason, this thing, that thing, hallowed holes of this. You see how the narrative is being framed? Mm-hmm. How it is? So what they did was cloaked in righteousness. Mm-hmm. That's how the devil does. Yes. And what happened here is wicked evil. Of course what happened was bad. But who did it? Mm. Are they going after it? Because I saw the videos. Of the National Guard bringing in three, four vehicles of BLM movement people and the cops and some of the cops were asking the people to go in. The whole thing looked like a setup because remember this is the time of social media. People all have phones and people were uh, uh, recording and the people when they started breaking they were shouting don't do, don't do, don't do. Then people are shouting hey this is BLM how did they get in over here this is not our people. And all that is there in social media. That is why there is a blanket coverage mm-hmm. of information. Why do you think people are taking out of Twitter mm-hmm. and Facebook blocking it because they know, you know, uh, if these people are in Twitter and they start putting these videos on, it will go to millions of people and they will realize the truth. Because if you know what the truth is, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid? Of? Censorship is only in draconian systems who wants to hide the truth. Hmm. Truth can stand on its own. Absolutely. Hmm. And stand on its own. Whenever censorship comes in, you need to realize something is trying to be hidden over here. You're trying to hide something and not really bring something into open. But that's how the devil works. The devil is one of the best fellows who puts a nice clock of righteousness, but he is He's actually selling a lie. Hmm. So he comes to Adam and Eve right away and he says, you know, I am actually after your interest. It's not God. I really want you to be like God. Hmm. But God doesn't want you to be like him. I'm actually standing up for your rights. But he's one fellow who never stood up for anybody's <laughs> rights. He's trying to take as many people he can Enjoy. down to the lake yep. of fire. So that's how we have to look at these things. Hmm. Yes, Pastor Bishop. Well, the next question is, uh, says, a need clarity on what happens when we die in Christ before return of Christ and judgment. There are versions that illustrate parable uh, that illustrates parable of Lazarus and Abraham, Abraham in paradise and rich man in the lake of fire. Also, while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he tells the repentant there that he will be with him in paradise the same day. This states that our soul lives forever and judge immediately at a flash and taken to hell or heaven. Do we receive new bodies straight after getting there to heaven? Okay, in the first first uh, place, if you look at the parable of Lazarus and Abraham and the rich man, well, it's not a parable because in all the parables of Jesus Christ, he never named names. Mm-hmm. Because in a parable, there are no names. But in this, he's probably talking about something which he knows. So the names are mentioned over there. Second thing, the rich man is not in the lake of fire. He's in hell. hell. 
Hell is a different place. The lake of fire is that lake of fire is waiting in future. Hell is, if you use modern terminology, the hell is the jail, it's a temporary lockup area, and lake of fire is prison, where after the sentencing. So you have to, because he doesn't say there, I am burning. He says, I thirst. Okay. Okay, so we don't know the actual state of hell now. People talk about visions and all, but we do not understand. Lake of fire is a different thing. So when people died, people died. If you understand, if you look at scripture, when people died, people went to paradise. Paradise seems to be a place in whichever part of the universities, realm it is, where people went to paradise, but they were not harmed. It was called Abraham's bosom because death still had power over them. Devil still had power. Death had not been overcome. While the others went into hell and they could be tortured, tormented. It was on the devil's side had. But devil did not have control here, but he could not harm them. That is the understanding of paradise and hell. So Jesus also will tell me, you shall be with me in paradise today. Mm. But if you go after, the, if you look at the next question over there, it's connected with that, the next question. While some scriptures clearly say graves opening up and dead in Christ coming to life, which means you are asleep in the grave and only get to heaven after the return of Christ, which is yeah, contradicting so. the above, yeah. need clarity on one Thessalonians, referring this context, please. I am convinced that sooner after death we'll end up at the side of eternity. I'll be unable to see clarity on dead bodies sleeping in grave, racing only after Christ's return. Does this just refer to body, whereas the spirit already departed to heaven quickly after death. So if you look at it, what is happening, it is when Jesus died on the cross, what is happening? The curse is being broken. Mm. Salvation is beginning. But if you turn with me to the book of Ephesians, okay, chapter 4, words 8 onwards, 8, 9, 10. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. What is captivity? Captive, meaning those who were held bound by death. Yes. Because Satan had the power of death. That's what Colossians will say. Death through death was overcome. Mm -hmm. He took them captivity captive and okay. Okay. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So if you look at it, what is well, the Bible seems to be talking over here, because these are secret things that belong to God. We can only understand from what is revealed in scripture. When Jesus died and when he rose from the dead, he took all those from paradise with him. They are no longer in the lower parts of the earth. So when Jesus says, today, the day he dies, today you shall be with me in paradise. Where did he go? He went down. He mm. didn't go up. Mm. Okay, he said today. So the Bible says he descended. So paradise was somewhere over there. Yeah. But when he ascended, he took captivity captive. captive. Mm. He took them up. Okay, so paradise as a realm of the righteous souls of the Old Testament is no longer underground. It is no longer there. They are there. Now these are souls. These are not bodies. These are souls. Everybody who's died, their bodies has anywhere disappeared. But the souls are not made of material. The souls is what he took. If you look at it, you will see where the souls are. You turn with me to the book of Revelation. Right? The book of Revelation. 
and chapter 6 and verse 9. The Old Testament says, yeah. yeah. When you opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Yeah. Further down, you read, yeah. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge your blood on those who dwell on the earth? Yeah. And God says, A little white robe was given to each one of them and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren would be killed as they were was completed. So, the soul is wearing a robe. What are they all waiting for? Everybody is waiting for their bodies. They are all waiting for this new resurrection body. Okay? And if you go to, if I am right, Philippians 1, chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, 21 to 24. Philippians 1, 21 to 24. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now let me ask you this question. If you die and you just go into the grave and you will only rise when Jesus comes back, how is it gain? How is it gain? That's why Hezekiah cried. He didn't want to die. Old Testament people did not want to die because it's a waste of time. What are you going to do? You're sitting in paradise till Jesus comes and raises you from the dead. It's only when Jesus dies, they rise from paradise. Okay, it's a good place. It's not. It's a boring place. You've got nothing to do. Okay, so you want to live long, as long as you can. But now it is different. You're not going down, you're going up. So he says, for me to live is Christ. To die is also gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Mm-hmm. He says, I don't know. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Ah, so you're not going into the grave. You're not going into the grave. It's very clear about it, which is far better. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. It's very clear over here. You see, you know what? Now in the no, Old Testament, you don't see like this. The New Testament, somebody says, I have a desire to depart. Meaning I want to get out of this body. And I know, I know where I'm going if I depart in this body. I'm with Christ. I would love to be with him. But... If I continue in the flesh, I will continue serving you. So you see it changing from the Old Testament to the New Testament. What is everybody waiting for? Everybody is waiting for their resurrection body. That will happen. And in Thessalonians, that, first, that portion that was First Thessalonians. So chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. And the Bible talks about it. No? Yes. Thessalonians were already, yeah. For I believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, how can, uh, no, wait a second. Just look at verse 14. Where is he coming from? He's coming from, from below or above? From above. Yeah? If he's coming from above, where are those who sleep with him? With They're above. above, yes. They're not below. They're above. They're not in the grave. They're with him. They're not in, but in the, the lower parts of the earth. They are with him. So they are with him. Okay, sleep in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Hmm. Okay, now when they are using this term asleep, 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 please don't misunderstand. They are using a term which we understand. Yes. It's a human term. It's not a spiritual term. Because human terms are two things, asleep and death. In death, you know, you don't wake up. In sleep, you know, it's a temporary, uh, this thing of consciousness. Even when you sleep, you dream. Even when you sleep, some people talk. 
Even in some people when they sleep, they walk also. <laughs> sleep means it's only a temporary suspension of your conscious mind. That's all it is. Everybody who goes to sleep knows that they're going to wake up. At least they go with the hope they will wake up. <laughs> <laughs> so sleep and death are different things. So nobody cries when their beloved is sleeping. But when the person dies, they know he's not going to wake up. That is in that contest which is sleeping in Jesus. Meaning, as far as, now you look at your baby. Okay, your baby is sleeping so beautifully. But you know what? It looks like an angel. Yet, you know, the baby is not reacting to anything you are saying. Mm-hmm. Anything to That's what it means. The person is on the other side, but asleep for you. Mm-hmm. Asleep for you. That's what it means. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. In what? In the receiving of the body. Go to the next one. Therefore we comfort one another. 16. 16. 16. For the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always. So the question is, if he is coming down with those who are asleep in him, how will they rise from the dead? Mm -hmm. What does it mean? Mm -hmm. It means that in the twinkling of a second, everybody will get their glorified bodies. I believe this is what is going to happen. I don't understand how God, I'm not trying to even explain what it is. <laughs> but I believe like our this body is also made of some material, yes. which is why it goes back to the dust of the earth. He's going to give us a glorified body also in some, some ways is both material and spiritual. Yes. This is material. This body is not spiritual. But the next body is both. Because Jesus says, touch me. And he ate. Yet he walked through shut Shut doors. So there is this new body which is blows your mind out. Mm. Scientifically, you cannot explain it. I guess a point will come and they will explain it scientifically too because (laughs) everything of God can be explained. Mm. Only thing, we don't have the explanation. Now, God is not uh, out... um, I mean, science he'll, cannot... He'll bend the fabric of space and time. Yeah, yeah, time, this, all those things, okay, what it's So I believe that is what is happening there. They are also coming down as souls, waiting for their bodies. And this also, that trumpet, suddenly both groups will get their glorified bodies. Mm. It will happen. And the Bible will say, the twingling of oh, an it will take place. But if you ask me, if a believer dies where he goes, absent in the body. Present with, present with the Lord. Oh, yeah. That's what, otherwise it is not again. Death is not, I don't want to die. If I'm not going to Christ, I want to live for 150 years and serve God. Mm-hmm. But if I die and I'm going to be Christ, I would like to die. <laughs> I don't mind death. That's what Paul is talking about. Okay. So it all depends upon where you are going, mm. where you are going. Because if it's going to be an unconscious state, a frozen state, and you'll only rise up to consciousness when Jesus comes, then why lie like that? Live as long as you can. That's how the Old Testament saints were. But the New Testament saints, it's a completely, because paradise is empty. Paradise is not on earth. He has taken captivity captive. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, the last question for today will be, will be question term, term, sin in the camp. I think we answered it. What does I represent? Did we? Yeah, we looked at those two questions yesterday, actually. Where is Adam? 
last time we looked at it actually i don't know why uh, oh okay i thought we had an answer no no we we, we are, yeah we was god was not ask he knew, knew where adam was but yeah it was whether adam knew where he yeah. was it's a it's a generic question it is a question that is asked to adam which is asked to every man hmm. like we said about the two questions everyone will have to answer the two questions saul asked this is his man's question who are you what do you want me to do god also has specific questions where are you you have to keep asking where am i lord where are we said jesus is the only one who could answer those questions perfectly this is where i am this is who yeah. said this is what i have done this is why i am angry and this is my brother i am my brother's keeper he could answer that right i mean god says be angry and do not sin meaning it's a righteous indignation when you see evil you have to you have to have you cannot be complacent that is what bible says the kingdom of god advances with violence it's righteous indignation but where does it take you it doesn't take you onto the streets it takes you into your prayer closet hmm. that's where things are won if you win here you will win outside if you lose here you will lose outside that's why we create we have a spiritual violence men of god have a spiritual violence they pray and when they come out they speak and when they speak there is power hearts are changed minds are changed there is power the demonic side also is the same thing they also spend a much more time than us in the demonic <laughs> doing all kind of crazy thing and when they come they also speak and there is power in that too but it's a clash between two powers moses rod and janus and jambres rod which rod will eat which depends upon where you come from moses rod or elisha's rod in gehazi's hand will not work, work. will not work. will not work that's why we have to be very 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 the rod has power but the hand should be sanctified to amen rod. amen amen that's what joshua 3 we looked at no you have to have clarity you need to have visibility and you need to have sanctity it mm-hmm. is sanctity that actually brings visibility and clarity mm-hmm. god says keep a distance hope that god doesn't want you to come near no god says no I want you to come here because mm-hmm. verse nine will say, "Come near mm-hmm. and hear my voice." I want to hear you to hear me clearly, but you also need to see. Visibility has to be there, so that is first one: visibility and clarity of hearing. But both comes from sanctity. Gehazi's heart was already gone; he was a covetous man. Oh. Therefore, the rod did not work in his hands. Mm. But Elisha had already judged the world in his heart. He says, "Is this the time to go after money? The nation is under siege." evil is growing we should be fighting our battles, battles not running after money yes he's already judged he says that leprosy will go on to you mm. how did he become leprous because he was after money and name and fame what was inside reflected on his body mm. now he has been healed he's going humble he's taking two saddles of mud to offer sacrifice to the god of israel but you know what you are still the same So let his leprosy pass on to you. It was not Elisha judging; it was the spirit of God judging through Elisha. That is how it works. Yep, we shall call it a die. Yes, pastor. For our brothers in Australia, you've already called it a die. <laughs> called it a die. We are calling it a day, and America is just starting a day. And I pray God is with all of you everywhere. Stand firm, stand strong. Don't buckle, buckle under pressure. pressure. Yes. I mean for many of you this is new for you I mean I mean because you have come to the kingdom of God you always knew evil many of you in the US and all because you 
were abused and all. But this is a different kind of battle mm. you are fighting because now you have come to the kingdom of come God on. and you see the mm. the horror of darkness and you are under siege. And we've been, I've been going through this for years and mm. even before President Trump came into the picture, we were fighting these battles. So we know what it is and we don't buckle under, I hope we trust God, we don't buckle under pressure that we keep. The pressure will keep my my. Exhortation to all of us is stand firm. The day of evil, stand. After you are done everything, stand. Keep standing, yes. One Mm. thing you need to pray for is, Lord, open my eyes. I want to have that vision. Because that changes everything. And I believe it is there. Amen. To be able to see like Elisha saw. One glimpse into eternity will change your life. One glimpse. And you will realize there are more with us than they are against. Hallelujah us. to the Lamb of God. The one God. who is seated on the throne. Yes, Lord. Isaiah saw one vision of God in his throne that changed his life. One thing you see, it changes completely. Jeremiah was ready to tear down because God says, What do you see? God opened his eyes. That changed him. Ask God. He's the same God. Nothing has changed. Ezekiel kept on seeing. Ezekiel kept on seeing. Apostle also saw everything. So mm. that is there. I'm not saying that you need it. We can still stand solely on the word of God because of who spoke it. That's enough. More than enough. But if you need something more, ask God. Lord, mm. open my eyes, Lord. I'm weak in my faith. Just open. He's a father. And then suddenly, you know, you get that super. And go to your prayer closet. Go get refilled every day. Go back. Repent. Confess. Ask God. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Help me to see what you are doing. I know what the devil is doing. I don't want to know that. That's all over the news. I want to know what you are doing. I want to see what you are doing. So that is what is still. You know what you are doing. You know, like Elisha saw. And he was still. Gehazi didn't see. He was panicking. So let us have the spirit of Elisha and not the spirit of Gehazi. Let us pray. Father, this evening we just come to you. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. This evening, once again, we come to you. We surrender ourselves, all our churches, all your people, everyone who is listening. We commit them into thy hands. I pray you would anoint them once more. The Holy Spirit would rest upon them. They would receive boldness in their soul. Comfort, Lord. Yes. Com- supernatural comfort. comfort. Yes, Lord. Supernatural yes, Lord. comfort. Natural comfort won't she work in this hour. Because there's nothing natural to be comforted about. Mm. Everyone who is troubled needs supernatural comfort. Those who are on one side of the globe, let them sleep like Peter slept in mm. prison. Deep sleep. Chained to soldiers. And those who are on the other side, let them sing like Paul and Silas in prison. Mm. Only supernaturally we can do it. Lord. Let one side let them sleep, other side let them sing. Amen. Let it both come from you, Lord. Give them strength to stand. Let no one buckle under pressure. Let them know God is with them, God is for them, and our God is going before us and making a path for us. The God who started the work in us will finish it. Just allow us to allow you to do that work in us, Lord. You will take us through this. You have fought every battle. You have never lost any battle. And we know, Lord, Jehovah Shabbat, the Lord of hosts, is going before us. They come against us with the spear, the javelin, the sword. We come against you in the name of Jehovah Shabbat. Yes, Lord. 
God does not fight with the weapons of man. Amen. His weapons are different. So we will stand still and see the victory of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Speak your peace and your rest into every soul. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 See you back at 9 o'clock in the morning tomorrow, Sunday morning.